another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. God bless you. If you've got a Bible, we're going to go to John chapter 14 this morning. The book of John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. It's Jesus speaking. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. Here's our first key sentence. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas speaks up and he says, Lord, we don't even know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Three key phrases in our text this morning. The first one, Jesus says, you know the way. The second one, Thomas says, if we don't know the destination, how can we know the way? And the third one, Jesus says, I am the way. We're launching a series this month across all of our services, simply entitled Hodos, The Way. When Jesus says here, you know the way, when Thomas replies and says, we don't know the way, when Jesus replies and says, I am the way, the phrase in the original text that the Bible was written in is literally a word called hodos. It means the way, the pathway, the highway, the the direction that you are to travel down. And all throughout the Scripture is this thought that as a believer in Jesus, we are on the way. In fact, when the New Testament church was given birth, it was a a breakout belief, something that had never been before. Jesus was on this planet. People followed Him. Jesus then died, was resurrected from the grave. Not everybody believed that. Jesus went back up to heaven. The, 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 The 12, the 120 prayed in the upper room. Power of God comes on the day of Pentecost. The church is birthed. 3,000 people joined the church that very morning. Then on from that, the Bible says that the Lord added to the number daily, those that were being saved. And quickly, this thing began to happen that nobody had a label for yet. I love that about God, how He does things. And then later on, we figure out what He is doing. That's why, by the way, we are people of the way, because God's always moving faster than we have the ability to figure out what He's doing. Hello, are you with me this morning? And here, here in this amazing situation, they're looking at this New Testament church and they're like, what is going on? They're yet to invent the word Christian. That came a few years later. But in the gap between when the word Christian, and I like that, a follower of Christ, a little Christ here on earth called to be Jesus, His hands, His feet, His body. I love that. I'm not walking away from it. But in this amazing gap between when the word Christian is invented and people began to be Christians, they said, what are we going to describe this people as being? And they said, they are people of the way. They're just, they're just these radical people who uh, believe in Jesus, are living like He is real, living like He's alive, following His teachings. And they said they are people of the way. And when you begin to record, when you begin to look, sorry, at what happens when people began to be followers of the way, it is inspirational to say the least. 
I mean, they record about the apostles that they were unschooled and they were ordinary. I mean, not many people are walking around going, you know, what's your background like? Unschooled and ordinary. Yet when they looked at the apostles, they said, these guys are unschooled, ordinary people who hung around with Jesus. When you look at the people who encompassed what we call the way, not many of them are known as being significant. I mean, they were, they were housewives. They were, they were, I'm not saying they were any condescension. I'm just saying that's what they were. That's what the Bible says they were. They were, they were just you know, people who lived in homes and opened it up and let people come and hang out in their home. They established effectively a life group. That life group then gave birth to another life group. And they called them churches because that's all they had in their town. The town was small. They had one church. The church met in a home. Then they spawned something over here and that took place. Next thing you know, it's beginning to break out everywhere. But the people that were at the center of it, they're not like names and lights. They're not, not in a grandiose. They just prayed, opened their homes, lived like God was real. They were just students of the way, living the pathway of obedience to God. And the Scripture says in the book of Acts that these guys that were on this way turned the world upside down. What I love about that is that they had nothing going behind them, not even a label to put over what they were doing. No strong brand. We are the Christians. Hello. We have tambourines and songs and stuff. They just had people who believed in Jesus. And through that one simple thing alone, they so impacted the world in a short few years time that people stood up and said, you know, we've got to shut this baby down because these people are turning the world upside down. And that gives me courage because it doesn't matter what generation, what season, what period of history we are in. He is the same Jesus, same power as that work within us. And so if this is true, then there are no caps over what we can accomplish in our generation as well. We are the people of the way, the hodos, the highway, the pathway. We are called to follow after Jesus. Now, I don't know if you've ever stopped to consider making your way from one place to another when you don't know the place that you're going to. When you're thinking about navigating a journey, you know, I mean, every day, everybody these days has got a little iPhone, and that's great because it's somehow, even though it's a woman's voice, you know, coming out of a little machine, telling you to turn left and turn right, men, we find that voice all right, but the voice of our wife sitting in the seat or our, our girlfriend saying, turn left and turn right, we don't trust them as much as we trust the little electronic voice and a little GPS. But if we just ignore that, if we pull out the iPhone for a minute, when you're trying to get from one place to another, you've really got two ways of getting there. You've got, you've got either, number one, you pull out your map. I mean, maybe it is an electronic map and you print it out from there, but you've got your little map and you mark out your markings and you work out where you're going and Third Street on the left and right. Then we're going to go there. Then we're going to do this. Get on the motorway. Drive X kilometers. Going to get off that off ramp. You know, we're going to do this and, you know, and then we're going to do it that way. Or the other way that you can get from one place to another if you don't know the destination is you follow somebody else who's already been there before. That's always been my preferred method because it's just a lot more autopilot, you know? I hop in, I look at the person in front, I sit in behind, then we just go from one place to another. But the moment that you begin to follow somebody else, there's a new element that makes this thing work and the element is called trust. 
Because if I don't trust the person that I am following, then I'm going to, you know, I mean, some people, have you ever, ever tried to do this? Be the guy in front and there's somebody following you and they don't believe you? There's nothing more irritating in all the world than the person behind you turns left when they thought they should turn left. And you know that if they just stayed on for three more blocks and turn left, we'd skip 10 minutes of traffic. But now you've got to double back and go their way. Oh, it's just not even worth talking about. But you know, when you're in that environment, your trust in the person in front of you is crucial to the experience working. Now let's, let's make the situation bigger. Let's take out any knowledge that you have of the destination you're going to. Imagine for a moment that somebody comes to you and says, I'm going to take you somewhere that you've never been before. It's going to be better than any place you've ever been in before. This place is so amazing, but you've yet to even dream of going to this destination. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, I, I'm going to describe it for you, but I don't even know if you can believe where I'm telling you we're going to go. And then the person says, okay, would you like to go there? And you say, well, yeah, I'd love to go there. I'd love to go to this place. They convince you it's real. They fire you up that its existence is there. And they say, well, you know, let's go there. And you're like, all right. The next thing the person's going to say, if they're going somewhere that you've never been, if there aren't any pathways, any roadmaps that are going to get you there, if the destination is not on the map, then there's only one way that you can get there, right? And the, the way that you get there is you follow somebody who knows the way. So then they set off. Now, I'm a terrible follower. I'll admit it. You know, when I'm the guy behind, I'm not very happy. I'm much more you know, comfortable being the guy in front, calling directions. In fact, it's really interesting hanging out with my children because, you know, any leadership ambiguity and then jumps Lara, you know, and, and the, the kids love to, you know, fill the vacuum. And, you know, I, I'm that guy. I'm the guy who's going to fill every vacuum of leadership that you put in front of me. I'm just going to be, okay, there's no clear leader. This is what we're going to do. And even if it's the wrong thing, we're doing something. That's, that's me. I'm that guy. And so, you know, when, when, you got, when you got everything in place, you know, and, and uh, you know, the other day I went to hop into this car and and the guys were trying to take me to Breaker Bay. Now, for those of you in Christchurch, we've got Breaker Bay. And there's another bay that's called Princess Bay. And they're, they're a considerable distance apart from one another. But I'd come out of a meeting. I'm hopping into a car. I've got to go to Breaker Bay. But in my head, I've got to go to Princess Bay. I swapped the names of the two beaches over in my head. I hop into this car straight out of a meeting. And the guy who's driving me, he says, John, we've got to go. We've got to go. No, no. So I hop in the seat and we turn out of the church office and he goes to turn left. And as he goes to turn left, I'm running late. And I said, don't turn left, turn right. So he dutifully turns right. Then he's looking at me like, why have I turned right? And I said, that's the long way. You don't want to go that way. We're going to have to go through the tunnel. We're going to be heading out there. It's going to take ages. I said, just go this way, go up the street. So he's like, oh, yes, Pastor John, you know, and he... <laughs> He goes up the street and, you know, we I said, turn here, turn here. You, okay, yes, fantastic. And then we're dropping down into Island Bay and I'm on my way to Princess Bay. He's on his way to Breaker Bay. And when we get down to Island Bay, I said, you know, see, that's the thing, man. Now we're here. We're just one bay across. We're already there and we got there in a lot shorter time than if we had gone all the way out to the airport and then come all the way back around. And then finally this little kid's like, you know, little intern trying to be courageous and here's this... <laughs> Here's this way too G'd up senior pastor, you know, who's running late for this destination. And he's like, oh, you know, Pastor John, we're, 
We're, we're supposed to go, aren't we going to break a bay? You know, and I'm like, oh, and I realized that we'd gone to the wrong beach. But because I couldn't follow properly, I added 15 minutes to our journey to a destination that if I had to just shut up and let the guy who's already thought about the journey get me to the destination, I would have got there a whole lot faster. Now, back in the situation. We're going somewhere that we've never been before to a destination we're not even sure exists. We've never been there and there's no markings that are going to get you on the journey. How many people know now we've got a massive trust situation? Because now we're going to sit in behind a guy who is leading. I mean, he turns into a bad neighborhood, you know, and suddenly there we are and you know, we got, we, got, we got it all turned around and we're like, oh my gosh. And suddenly, you know, people are praying all through the car and, and you're, thinking, you're thinking, surely this is not the way to get there. I mean, he told me we were going somewhere amazing. What are we doing, you know, with my mind and my money? You know, what, what, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? We're supposed to be going here. I mean, you know, next thing you know, he turns off the trail. Now we've got water lapping up around the edges of the vehicle. Sure, we're making it through the stream, but everybody's going, no, no, this surely, this, this, this is the plot of every movie, right? To get to the forgotten place, the, the, the crazy place. But then imagine if to your surprise, you just pop through the trees as they break over the car bonnet and you're suddenly there with the lights and the, the gold bars and the endless amount of fruit supplies and everything is just on tap and all the beaches are white sandy. And you suddenly realize that you've gotten somewhere that you never could have got to unless you followed the person who knew the way. And this is the challenge for our faith. What we see about our faith is that it doesn't require a manual. It doesn't require a written set of instructions. But that from the first days that the church was birthed to this one, people who have been willing to simply follow in the way have found themselves getting to places that they would never have gotten to unless they committed to the process and been willing to trust, to follow, and to obey. In this passage of Scripture, I love it because the passage of Scripture jumps in with, uh, with you know, Jesus saying, firstly, He says, you know, I'm going, I'm going back. I'm going to come back for you. And then He just says, you know the way to where I'm going. And what blows me away straight off the bat about this is that Jesus expects us to know the way. The way in here is this word hados. So it is the way. And Jesus just says, you know, you know the way. I mean, you know it. Of course you know it. It is an assumption for God that you and I, if we've been awakened to faith, would immediately understand how to walk forward in that faith. And this is the truth, isn't it, about our faith, that it's not as complex as we sometimes make it to be. And the reason why this series can be a little bit of a challenge as a preacher to preach is that we're not preaching the extremities of head information, but the simplicities of what it means to actually live your life with Jesus at the center of it. But this is the key to everything about our faith is whether we're on the way or not on the way. And here Jesus just says to His disciples, He says, you know the way to where I'm going. And they're there, you know, I mean, have you ever been in this room? You know, Jesus, powerful leader. Everybody wants to impress him. And so they're all standing around like, you know the way. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no one's making eye contact with Jesus. We're all looking at the floor, you know. 
Oh, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, great, you know. Because Jesus assumes that if we are following Him, His assumption is that we know the way to go. Thomas, Thomas gets thrown under the bus so many times by us pastors that I'm pretty sure when we get to heaven, we're going to see tread marks on his back. I mean, you know, he doesn't believe Jesus resurrected. You know, he just questions this one. You know, whatever, doubting Thomas, we say or whatever kind of thing. But I imagine that, to be honest, in this context, that Thomas... Thomas is just the guy willing to speak up. I mean, even, even old speak first, think later Peter, you know, he's even silent in this particular. He's like, yeah, yeah, of course, Jesus, got it. Locked down, Lord and Savior, know the way. And then up comes Thomas and Thomas says, Lord, we don't even know where you're going. I mean, man, what, what, what are you talking about? Your father mentions, what are you, what are you talking about? I mean, we, we're just hanging out here and, we ain't got no palace. What, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, Willis? I mean, you know. He's like, if we don't know the destination, how can we understand what it takes to get? We don't even, if we don't know where we're going, how can we know the way? Right there, right there is the essence of what this series is all about. What, what this thought of being someone who is part of the way is all about. Because really, our, our natural mind is fixed on destinations. And destinations determine directions. But the thing is, my friends, is if you and I are going to be the people that are on the way, it is uncoupling ourselves from the thought that we need to know where we're going before we walk the pathway God wants us to go. Because from the hero of the faith, Abraham, who birthed this thing called faith in motion through to the people of the New Testament, it was never about destinations that started their obedience or their, their falling in to the journey of the way. Abraham, Hebrews 11 verse 6, says about Abraham that he obeyed and went. Obeyed and went. Listen, not knowing where he was going. So the very nature of being on the way is that if we're going to be on the way that Jesus wants us to be, by being on the way, I'm talking about living our lives, alighting to Christ, walking the journey God wants us to work, being part of His eternal plan on this planet. If we are going to be on the way, we don't need to know where we're going in order to set off on the journey. I mean, the, the, the way is everywhere in the Scripture. In the book of Deuteronomy, it says, you know, don't turn aside to the left or to the right. Stick true to this journey. It's on every page of the Scripture. Walk this way. You will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. If you turn to the left or to the right, Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, a journey that God wants us to go down. When Jesus called disciples, He didn't say, come study me, come learn about me. He didn't say, come, you know, whatever. He said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. His first three words to every person he ever called, including the, the, the fishermen and everybody else, but his opening three words were always, come follow me. Now realize Jesus lived in a very small geographical area. I mean, he never really left the size of Canterbury, the size of the greater Wellington region. Jesus lived in a very small geographical area. He wasn't saying, come follow me. And we're going to, it's not the intrepid journey. This is not the Hobbit. 
Jesus didn't say, come follow me and we'll go through the cave of doom and end up, you know, and right there in Mordor and, you know, get the ring and whatever. You know, he's not saying we're going to go on that kind of journey. He's saying, come and follow me. Be around me. Get in behind me. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me. He's saying that's what it means to be a believer in Jesus is to come after me, to follow me. In other words, a believer is a follower. We are called to be followers of Jesus Christ. This is what makes us the people of the way. But what uncouples our journey is when we confuse the destination with the direction. Church, to walk what God's wanting us to walk we have to realize that what God wants from us is not a 20-point plan towards an eternal future, but a daily step of obedience conforming today's actions to His wishes and making today a day where we are following Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be walking in the way. And when people walk in the way, their natural becomes supernatural. They don't just have meals, they do hospitality. They don't, just, they don't just, you know, work, they share their lives with others that are around them. They can't walk past need without being moved by it. They can't see their lives as being ordinary. They live in the same ordinary life, but it's not about the destination. See, Christianity is not just a message for the aspirationals. You know, I'm earning 40,000 now, I want to earn 50. I'm earning 50, I want to earn 60. My house is worth 200, I want it to worth 300. My house is worth 300, I want it worth 400. We give that phrase to the aspirational nature of our Western culture, but that's not our Christian faith. Sure, you follow Jesus, He's going to bless your life and He is always going to take the limits off your life. Believe it, 120%. But at the end of the day, God's not just concerned with the bottom dollar figure of your pay packet. He's concerned with how much our lives today are following Him in the daily simple priorities of the way we live. The outworking of our actions. It's about following Jesus, not with a sense of a destination in mind, but a sense of a goal in mind. And the goal is that we follow after Jesus. How, do you, how can we follow you when we don't know where you're going? And Jesus says, well, what are you talking about? I am the way. We don't know the way. We don't know the destination. We don't know the way. And Jesus says, no, 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 you got it all wrong. John 14, 6. I am the way. I am the hodos. I am the pathway. He's saying, just follow me. Today, follow me. Tomorrow, follow me. Let your lives reflect the fact that God is real. That's what it means to be on the way. So Christianity, Christianity is not an out there thing as much as it's just a daily thing. It is inviting into our world someone who wants to steer the vehicle of our life to a destination that isn't on the map, along paths that nobody knows. And when Jesus jumps in front and we jump in behind and follow him regardless, you know what I've found is that Jesus is better than, than the voice on your iPhone. You know, what I, what I love about the voice of my iPhone, that Australian girl, you know, 
is that, is that when, we, when we go past the street, I love, I love listening to the Australian girl on my iPhone trying to say Kiwi names, you know? We're going to uh, Wainui Amata. She'll turn it into Wanamita, you know, or something like that, you know? Dead set, you know? And, but when, when, you go, when you go the wrong way, you know, then she just auto-calibrates, auto-calibrates. Well, God, God is different to even that. He's different to even that. If our lives are in daily obedience to God, there is no wrong way. The will of God is not mysterious. The will of God is not hard. The will of God is not difficult. But the will of God is in the moment. See, a lot of people are waiting for one day to discover the will of God, and then they're going to do something with their lives. Listen, make it real clear. You'll never discover the will of God doing nothing. Put it on a t-shirt, print it, do whatever you want, quote me, I'm happy, I'll fight it. Because at the end of the day, if you and I are not living daily what God wants us to live, then you can have any kind of out there destinations you like and it will never happen in the daily reality of our lives. But look at it the other way. If today I'm becoming more like Jesus, I'm in the will of God. When Jesus said, come follow me, He's saying, man, don't make it about something that's way out there. Make it just about what would Jesus do in this situation? Remember, we mocked the bracelet, WWJD, but the truth, the seed of it is so unbelievably powerful. That is the way. What would Jesus do? Confronted with it, what would, what would Jesus do? What would, what would Jesus do? And we follow Jesus in the small, the mundane, and the daily and the people who follow Jesus, not in just the belief that He's going to anoint me and make me a prophet to the nations and the world will hear my voice. <laughs> and Christians confuse grandeur with greatness. Significance with stages. But when it becomes just about my life and what I do today, man, we're on the way right now. Come on, the other day, the other day, Jillian and I were in Auckland and, you know, we went over to Takapuna and you've got to remember that we had a hall booked on 100 metres from Takapuna Beach. I love Takapuna. I love Devonport. I love that whole Eastern Coast Bay strip of Auckland. It's awesome. I had a hall booked 100 metres from the beach. I mean, you know, kind of like where we are now, except that, that uh, the, the park, which has a really great name. Frankens Park was Takapuna Beach. White sand, beautiful beaches. It might be the San Diego Zoo. And there I am with, with this book. And everywhere I go, God says, go to Wellington. Now, I'd never been to Wellington. The only time I ever arrived here, I stayed in Annette Flett's mother's house and I arrived at midnight off the ferry where I vomited and then left the next morning. I mean, this is my whole experience of Wellington and God saying, go to Wellington, go to Wellington, go to Wellington. And I'm like, I'm going to the North Shore. But that's one of the few moments that God jumps into your life and arrests the massive priorities of your direction. But the truth is, friends, He's jumping into our world to arrest our reactions, our decisions, our interactions with people, every single moment of every day. And when that takes place, we put ourselves on the way. We journey towards the life God wants us to live. And the people who turned the world upside down were just living life 
knowing that he is the way and letting his priorities, way of thinking increasingly impact the way that they outworked their lives. And when we do this, my friends, that's when our lives begin to accelerate into what God has for us. And we wake up one day and we realize, my gosh, these, turn, these guys turned the world upside down. And seven people who moved to Wellington and put, pulled together their money and rent a drama studio in Newtown, can in 10 years, build a church that has four different campuses up and down the country and five and a half thousand people a week in attend one of their services. Come on. If the goal's on the destination, we miss the journey. I am the way. I am the way. It's about a yielded heart and an inclined ear to listen and to see and to follow His voice. The other night, Thursday night, I was out with Team Arise Racing. Hashtag. We've got a website. You can check us out. We're kind of a big deal around here. And Thursday night, it's, uh, it's really windy. We're out with Team Rise Racing, and it was really windy. Real exception for us here in Wellington. So I'm out there, and I'm enjoying the night. I haven't been on my bike for a little while. And, and we get to this place called the Airport Strait. So it's right next to Wellington Airport, and it comes from the extremities in towards Lyle Bay. And Airport Strait is one of the most hotly fought you know, segments as a cyclist. Everybody wants to win Airport Strait. As we're coming through the tunnel underneath the motorway runway, uh, I'm, I'm about four or five riders back in the bunch, and I want it. Everybody wants it. Everybody wants Airport Strait. And so we turn onto the Airport Strait, and, and as we turn onto it, come out of the tunnel, and the headwind, the headwind just hits the front of all the cyclists. Uh, you know, Phil Brass, bar it's off the front. He's such a great cyclist, strong, and he goes off the front. Guys are chasing him, and I'm just sort of like, what am I going to do? Am I going to chase these guys who are spending themselves and are still a long way to go? What am I going to do? And as I'm thinking that, Matt Bent, who's somewhere in this auditorium this morning, grabs his finger and just points at his back wheel. Now, when the coach points at the back wheel, it only means one thing. It means get in behind me and let me lead. So I jump on Matt's wheel. The moment I jump on Matt's wheel, I'm working 30% less than anybody else because he is now breaking the wind. And not literally, but you know, <laughs> breaking the wind, key word in that. Breaking wind, breaking the wind. And I'm in behind him. I'm working 30% less, but I'm totally out of control now. Because if Matt decides to back off, I'm watching the riders right away. In fact, for the first few seconds, the riders were riding away, except Matt is a lot more experienced cyclist than me and a lot more experienced cyclist than them. So he knows there's no way at the intensity they're going, they can keep it up to the end of that road. So he lets them go. So they're powering away. And I'm like, but, 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 trust the wheel. Trust the wheel. So I sit in there and fixing, ignoring that, I look at his back wheel, keep myself half a meter away from it and we ride along together. Then I start to notice that we're now reining in guys who have been breaking off Next thing I know, he kind of puts his elbow like that, means we're going around, and he puts off to the side, stands up. I'm still on his wheel, and now we're accelerating past them. <laughs> then I realized that the end is in sight, and he doesn't really care whether he wins or not, so I came off his wheel, stood up, and buried it. <laughs> and I won the airport straight. Second time in my life I've won anything, but it was amazing. 
was a great moment and it made me realize in preparing for the sermon that this is all God wants for us, is to take our eyes off everybody else, put, take our eyes off our endless sets of comparisons, stop worrying about whether we're keeping up with the Joneses and instead fix our eyes upon Jesus. He's saying, follow me, follow me. If we believe that, it changes everything, right? Because if we're not careful, we exchange what we're supposed to be doing as a believer on this thing called the hadas, the way, and we make it something different. And this is what Thomas is struggling with. That's why Jesus set it up. He never threw out a provocative statement because he thought they had it all figured out. He's trying to get to the point where he gets to say, the reason why you're messing it up is because you think there's a destination. You don't know where you're going. The destination is me. The goal is Jesus. Becoming like Him every moment of every day. That is the way. But without that, we miss it and we get off track. And then what happens when we get our faith off track is we start to aim for the wrong things. Rather than aiming for relationship, we aim for religion. See, relationship is about who you know and religion is about what you do. Relationship. Our faith is about getting to know God better, not about being better, doing better, acting better. This is the difference between living a life that's saying, man, God, you are so amazing that this life, as I discover more about you, I'm going to live it with a greater sense of significance, purpose, dignity than I would do if I didn't know you personally. See, we can know about Him. We can study what to do. Be a good Christian, do this, do that, be more forgiving. You can either learn about the, the task of forgiving or discover the God who forgave. And when you discover the God who forgave, it's not the same as discovering that you need to forgive. Because when you know it, then you suddenly find yourself being inspired by the God who would forgive our selfishness, our pride, our folly, our rebellion, the way that we've destroyed the lives of other people still forgives us. And you know what happens then when we get to know Him in relation, when we're following Him? Him. Him. Suddenly it changes the way we interact with others. We're letting go of stuff. We're moving past it because we exchange religion for relationship. Rich young ruler. What? How's he? Comes to Jesus, the rich young ruler. He says to Jesus, you know, what, what must I do and inherit eternal life? Give me the alarm bell. Show it to me. How do I get to this destination? And Jesus says to him, well, you know, what do you reckon? He says, well, you know, you know, you know the commandments. Jesus said, what about those ones? You know, you don't steal, don't covet, you know, don't lie. Don't do that stuff. And the guy says, I've done all that. I've done all that since I was a kid. And he's like, yeah, well, that's because you know about it. He says, what you still lack, sell all you have. And what? Follow me. Get on the way. Stop doing, start being. Get on the journey. Get to know me. And by the way, I don't think for a second that God is interested in our poverty, wanting to impoverish this guy who has substance but he'll jump into our world and do whatever it takes to get us on the way. It's about the difference in our lives between movement and static. 
If we're not moving, then we're not following. And God wants all of us to follow. It's about the difference in our lives between advancing and holding. So many Christians end up with this adversarial viewpoint of the world, you know, that we're trying to just hold us, hold out, hold out, because Jesus is going to come back. But let's not let the devil take too much before he gets there. And, you know, let's all just kind of lock ourselves in and keep ourselves separate and never let anybody get close. And, you know, our mindset becomes about holding when we lose the way. You know, the Bible never called you and I to hold ground. It only ever calls us to move forward. Jesus said, go, and He never said, stop. He's looking for you and I to move. And people of the way aren't trying to entrench themselves in safe environments. People of the way are saying, let's be active in every sphere, every environment, whatever workplace I'm in, whatever sporting team I'm in, whatever situation I am in, I am gonna be like Jesus in this situation. And through that, I'm gonna make an impact to those that are around me. This is what it means to be a people of the way. The church is called to advance. Listen, I don't think there would have been a page in human history where people would have said things are getting worse. True? I reckon no matter where you went, people have been, oh, it's so bad and this is happening and oh my gosh, the moral filth and all of that. This is a common element to human history. And my friends, the church is called to advance in every age, in every moment. Jesus wants us to engage, to be present, to make a difference. It's what it means to be the hadas, the people of the way, is that we are involved in what is going down. It's the difference between progressing and arriving is the difference of the way. We never arrive until we get to heaven. Amen? While we're here, we are progressing. And our whole goal is to be changing every day to becoming more like Jesus. For several years back before we had children, Jillian and I used to, um, uh, over the kind of summer holidays, we used to go on sea kayak holidays. And we loved it. We used to get these sea kayaks. We'd rent them. And, um, you know, we'd go up north past the Bay of Islands. And we'd set out from shore. And in, in the sea kayak, I mean, they're long. They're massive. They're five meters long, something like that. Um, you'd have up the front, you'd have, you know, buried in, in, the, in the ends of it. You'd have your tent, your sleeping bag, all your food, uh, all your water, because you're not sure if you're going to find any water on some kind of island. And, you know, you'd set out from shore and we'd, we'd, you know, go out. I think the islands were called the Cavalli Islands. Is that right? I don't know. Anyway, it sounds good. So we'd, we'd be paddling out there and we'd get over to this island. And it's just so surreal. You know, you could find these islands that New Zealand owns and nobody's there. And I'm not sure if it was legal, but we did it. You know, we just <laughs> set up a camp, you know, on the, on the, on the, on the, on the island. And, you know, you'd find a good spot. And you, first thing you do is you look for a place to pitch a tent. That's the first thing. But the second thing you do once you've got your tent in the right location is you start thinking about where on the island you want to go. You might be staying on the harbour side. You want to be able to go over to the ocean side so you can enjoy the waves. Or maybe you're staying on the ocean side, but you want to get to the harbour side so you can go spearfishing, catch some fish. You need an ablutions place, you know, at a safe distance. You've got to dig a hole, remember. You know, then you're thinking about maybe a lookout that you've got to get to. And they think, right, I gotta get to this place. Now, this is what I can tell you. Going first is not good. Because the guy who walks from wherever you are on the island to the other side 
has got to basically just make a trail where there is no trail. So you're like, you're out there. And, you know, I think maybe we started carrying a knife with us by the second or third trip, but the first time you're just out there like, squash it down and squash it down and you squash it down. And, you know, there's always thorns and, you know, thistles and stuff like that. And they get your legs. And, you know, I've got hair basically covering all my body. And so, you know, I'll be walking along and you've got those, those bitty, bitty bushes, you know. And, and they, yeah, they, you, you know, I got a witness. And, you know, they, they catch you on your legs. And then you kind of go to sleep that night and everything's itchy down your legs. And, you know, then there's the cutty grass and you get those, those awful little carts. And, you know, then you, there's always dew. Doesn't matter what time of the day in the middle of summer. There's always so now you're wet, you're itchy, you got little carts, and it's just not a nice experience being the guy who goes first. The one who comes second, a little bit easier. And then over time, over a couple of days, it's amazing how just a field with all sorts of grass and stuff and trees and you know bushes, suddenly there is now an established pathway that goes from one side to the other. It's always hardest to be the trailblazer. And then everything else gets easy from there on in. Then think about the fact that really this is how a civilization emerges. Someone builds a track. The track becomes a path. The path becomes a road. And the road becomes a highway. And you know what's amazing is that the person who goes first in our faith is Jesus. When Jesus said, I am the way, it's not a hollow thing. I mean, it's one thing to have thorns graze your leg. It's another thing to wear a crown of thorns. It's one thing to have to go first and experience the discomfort. But what about the firstborn among the dead who died and gave His life so that you and I could have life? Our great Saviour who literally made a way where there is no way. No roadmap to heaven. No way of getting beyond the grave. No map's going to get you there, but Jesus made a way for us where there was no way to go. And then after that, we've got 12 guys who decide that we're going to then reinforce this trail and they start living on the same journey. Out from them, it goes to 3,000. And when Jesus went to heaven, one in 30,000 people on the face of this planet believed that He was God. And now it's one in three and they say it's growing, so it'll soon be one in two. And I'm here to tell you that when ordinary people but choose to live a life that is on the way of Jesus, that it doesn't have to be an escalation of circumstances, but right then, ordinary just became extraordinary. Natural just got supernatural. And together, we can impact our generation for Jesus Christ. If you believe that, give the Lord some praise together this morning. Come on. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and John Cameron, go to arise.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at John Cameron NZ and at Arise Church.